everyone. Welcome to Fostering Connections. I'm Angie. And I'm Nicole. And this is the kickoff episode of our podcast that features everything foster care related. Each episode, we're going to be featuring topics that offer something for everyone, whether you're an experienced foster parent or you're someone who's just started thinking about becoming a foster parent but aren't even sure where to start. This podcast is brought to you by the Salvation Army Children's Services, which has over 30 years of experience providing adoption and foster care services to Pennsylvania children and families. This episode, we're going to review some common myths about foster care, and we're going to go ahead and bust those myths because honestly, they can be really harmful. They definitely can. There are never enough families for all of the children in foster care, and that means our kiddos miss out on a lot of great families and more children end up in shelters and facilities rather than in a home with a more typical childhood. After you hear this podcast, you'll be full of good factual information, and that means you can bust foster care myths when you hear them. And that means you'll be helping kids, since someone might decide to be a foster parent because of information you shared. So let's get started busting the first myth, and that myth is that only certain kinds of people can be foster parents. This is really one big myth that covers lots of small myths. Lots of people still think that in order to be a foster parent, you need to be married, or you need to own your own home, or you need to have a stay-at-home parent, or that you can't be single, or you can't be a same-sex couple. All of these things are untrue. In my 14 years of experience, I've seen all different kinds of people from all different walks of life make really amazing foster families. Honestly, if you can give a child a safe, loving, and stable home, and you're above the minimum age requirement to be a foster parent, which in our state of Pennsylvania is 21 years old, then you're eligible to apply to become a foster parent. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to end up being licensed to be a foster parent, there are still lots of things we need to learn about families before we can approve them. But um, no matter who you are and what your walk of life is, you are eligible to apply and you have the potential to make a really great foster parent. Foster parents can be um, single folks, married couples, unmarried couples. They can own their own home or they can rent a home. They can have a family where there isn't a stay-at-home parent. And honestly, this is actually the case for most families that I've worked with personally. Um, Those families usually work and utilize childcare for their foster children. In fact, in Pennsylvania, there are so many families who have working parents that um, Pennsylvania provides assistance through the county to cover childcare costs for foster children. Finally, families of all races, religions, and sexual orientations can and really should step forward to be foster parents. None of those things have a negative impact on someone's ability to provide the safe, stable, and loving home that we're looking for in foster parents. And in fact, the more diversity we have in the pool of foster families, the better chance there is that a child is going to be in a home where they're understood and accepted. The best foster parents really are those who are committed, who are patient and understanding, They have to be flexible, they have to be willing to learn, and have stable lives. None of those qualities are affected by whether or not you're married or a homeowner or renter, a stay-at-home parent, or by your race, religion, or sexual orientation. So the next time you hear someone say something like, I was thinking about becoming a foster parent, but I can't because I'm single, you can stop them and say, actually, and then you can jump in with some professional-level myth-busting. So the second myth uh, we're going to talk about is the myth of some individuals 
who think I won't have a choice in the child who is placed with me. Um, so you will absolutely have a choice and a say regarding the child or children who are placed with you. As you're going through the approval process, you will be asked about your preferences. These include male or female or both, the ages you are comfortable with, some foster parents or families prefer younger children or even infants, some families prefer to care for teenagers. When you are licensed, you will be called at some point with a referral. This is when the agency you're working with lets you know that there is a child or children who are in need of a foster home and they ask if you're interested in having them placed with you. Typically, but not always, the referral will give you information on the child or children they are calling about. They may have information including the age, the sex, the ethnicity, medical or psychological issues, school information if the school if the child is of school age, and anything else we need to know, especially if this is a medically needy child who may need some specialist care. Sometimes you'll get a lot of information about the child in the referral. Sometimes the referral is an emergency case and no one has much information about the child to share with you. After you receive the referral, you'll have some time to think about it and you make the determination if this child is a good fit for your home. If you feel the child may not be Please do not worry. You can say you are not able to take the placement. You should never feel pressure or stressed and perhaps think, if I do not take this child in, I will not be called with future referrals. This is not true. Your agency will call you again once there is a child waiting to be placed into care. Also, at any time, you can talk with your caseworker about changing your preferences about what kind of child would be a good fit for your home. Often, as families have different experiences with children they're fostering, they've realized that their initial preferences don't really fit any longer. So say you're a foster family who told your agency that you'd prefer to foster only males between 0 to 8 years of age. Then you have a placement of a male who is 6 years old. The child is reunified or something happens that he leaves your home. Maybe that experience has made you realize that the original age range you gave isn't the best fit for you. You can ask to change it. You can let your agency know that you would now prefer to receive calls for ages 0 to 3 or maybe teens and go up in age versus down. The answer will come from you and not the agency. The next myth that we're going to talk about is the myth that fostering is expensive and there isn't a lot of support. And the truth is that one of the primary roles of the agency that a family fosters through is actually providing support to the foster family. Um, the agency does this in, in lots of really meaningful ways, one of which is that the agency provides the family a monthly stipend to help provide financial support for the child. Now that stipend amount differs from agency to agency, but it should be enough that your family's finances won't be strained by bringing a foster child into your home. Some agencies do have specific rules about what the stipend can be used for, but generally it's to help cover the typical costs of raising a child. And there are, besides financial, there are lots of other supports that foster families receive. Again, I want to reiterate, these can differ from agency to agency and also state to state. Since we are here in Pennsylvania, we're going to focus specifically on things that are available here. If you're listening to us from outside of Pennsylvania, you can check with an agency in your area for specific supports they offer foster families. So in addition to the foster care subsidy, 
foster children receive medical assistance through the state. So their families aren't responsible for their medical costs. So if you have a foster child in your home, you'll choose a, a doctor for them. Sometimes they come to you with a doctor already um, that, that they're visiting and you can continue using that doctor. But um, as long as you use doctors and dentists and, and medical practitioners that take the insurance the children have been assigned, you are not going to have to incur any costs for their medical care. Regarding foster parents who work outside the home, if foster parents do work outside of the home at least 20 hours a week, or if they go to school 20 hours a week, or a combination of going to school and work for at least 20 hours a week, and you need childcare, um, foster parents can receive a subsidy from their county to help cover daycare costs. So that's that's an enormous help that foster parents who are working foster parents can receive assistance for daycare costs because we all know that that can become one of the most expensive parts of, of taking care of kids. Next uh, service, foster children who are ages birth to five years old are eligible to re receive services through WIC, which is Women, Infants, and Children. And WIC can um, provide families with formula and food and different kind of supports that help make sure that the children in your home are, are healthy. And that's free of charge to foster families. One other thing that's available to foster families, and this these aren't in every area, but we are very fortunate in this part of Pennsylvania to have several, are foster closets. And foster closets are independent nonprofit organizations that help provide things like clothing, furniture, uh, baby equipment, diapers, and more to foster families free of charge. So you can contact your agency to see if there's a foster closet near you. If you'd like to take some time and learn a little bit more about foster closets, then I really recommend you check out the website for the foster closet that we use here in the Lehigh Valley. It's through an organization called The Kindness Project, and the foster closet is called The Kindness Exchange. If you want to look them up and, and find out more about what a foster closet can offer, the website for The Kindness Project is kindnessprojectlv.org. There are lots more supports and services available to foster families and the children they're caring for. The important thing to remember is that foster families and their agencies really are a team. And anytime a family needs something, they have questions or they're facing a challenge, they can just reach out to their agency for help and for guidance. Also, successful foster families build a support system around them that should be made up of people who care about them and can be there for them on their foster care journey. We always, when families go through the licensing process, talk to them about identifying who is a part of their support system, who is the circle of people that they know will be there for them when they're in need. Um, and foster families, support systems can be made up of other family members, of friends, neighbors, co-workers, um, people who are a part of your church or your synagogue or wherever you might worship. Anybody really that a foster parent can lean on or get a boost from in a time of need. So the fourth myth we're going to talk about is one I hear a lot as a foster care caseworker, and that is I will get too attached once I have a child in my home. It may seem very difficult, especially if you're hearing from other foster parents, to have a foster child in your home simply because you feel you will get 
too attached. The issue lies in the perspective here. We want you to become attached to the child or children placed in your home. Yes, if the child is reunified with birth family or kinship or anything along these lines, you're human. Of course, it will be difficult to let them go once you've had a child living with you for weeks, months, or even years in some cases. However, attachment is so very important for children in care, even if for just a short amount of time. The attachment you build with a child will follow them throughout their lives, even if the child you're fostering is an infant. There are so many directions I can go into regarding attachment. However, it is not a bad thing to attach to a child in your home. This also puts them at ease over time because they view you as a safe person in their lives. There is never too much love or care you can provide to a child you foster. You may be thinking, sure, you don't get it. You're not a foster parent. Angie and I are not foster parents. However, we have seen that the opposite of this myth is actual truth and attachment is extremely important. The focus here is what does the child need? not what we as the adults need. The truth is over 60% of foster children in Pennsylvania are reunified with their birth family, which is the initial goal of foster care. So the chances are high that foster parents will have a child leave their home, which we know will lead to grief and loss for the family. The foster care system does see a lot of heartache, but our children and families also see a lot of joy and hopefully a family who has had a foster child leave their home will open their hearts and home to another child in need and their experience will have given them even more compassion and understanding for the children and families they're helping. Um, we're all the way up to the fifth myth and Nicole and I talked about this earlier and today we're going to be focusing on just six myths. There are a lot more myths, but in the interest of time, we decided to focus on some of the biggest ones. Uh, so in future podcasts, we're going to be excited to be touching base on some more myths. But right now we're up to number five. And number five is I can't be a foster parent because I don't have parenting experience. And this one seems like a logical statement rather than a myth. I mean, you need experience for practically every undertaking, right? Well, I'm happy to tell you that there have been scores and scores of foster families who have been successful at being foster parents, even if fostering is their first experience with parenthood. One of the greatest parts of being a foster parent is the incredible amount of training and support that's offered to you. We've already talked about some of the support. One part we didn't mention is that when a foster child is placed in your home, you'll have a caseworker whose job it is to support you, to make sure that you have everything you need to care for the child. They'll be encouraging you, making sure that both you and the child are doing well. Remember, everyone starts somewhere with parenting. The difference is people who aren't foster parents don't have a professional to partner with. So foster parents have an advantage in that sense. Then there's the training. To become a foster parent and to maintain your foster care licensing, you'll be taking a lot of training classes. There are training topics that cover most anything you'll need to know about parenting, about trauma, about the child welfare system. And and the best foster parents are the ones who take advantage of as many opportunities to learn as possible. A foster family who embraces learning and growing is going to be able to best meet the needs of the children that they're caring for. When you're looking for an agency to license you as a foster parent, a really important thing to check out is what kinds of trainings they have available for you. And um, 
a lot of times foster care agencies require foster parents to get a certain amount of training per year. And you usually count the training by the hours. So, um, you know, you may be required, for example, to get 10 hours of training in your first year of being licensed. We really want to recommend that you worry um, less about the amount of hours of training that you're getting and focus more on just getting as much training as possible. Um, training is going to make you confident. And when foster families are confident and when they're knowledgeable, they, um, they're definitely more successful. They have less stress. They feel more connected to their agency. They feel like they have a better relationship with the staff there. And, and they really are just more successful. Parenting experience absolutely is a benefit to providing foster care, but more important is the willingness to work with your agency as a partner, to surround yourself with support, to reach out when you need help, and to be open to learning and growing through training. So we've now come to the sixth and final myth of the podcast for today, Um, and that is if we take in an infant, there will be no issues. The child will have a quote, clean slate. This is an interesting myth. We know that trauma impacts children's brain development and that children who come into foster care as infants or newborns may not remember trauma that they've experienced, but have still been impacted by it. In my 20 years of experience as a foster care caseworker, I've seen many children who come into foster care as infants and are raised with stable, loving foster families who go on to adopt them because they weren't able to be reunified with their birth family. When some of those children first came into care, their foster parents may have been told during the referral process that both birth parents have a number of mental health issues and or are actively using drugs and alcohol, maybe the foster parents here may think, well, the baby is coming straight from the hospital. We won't have to worry about any of that. The truth is the baby has been impacted by trauma and that will have an effect on them. We've seen this as children age in many different kinds of behaviors, such as the child might have issues behaving in the classroom. They might act out at home. They may have trouble regulating their emotions. And as they get older, they might experiment with drugs and alcohol. So many challenging behaviors that we see in children stem from past trauma. This is why it's so important that foster parents understand how trauma impacts children. Even if the trauma happened before they were old enough to remember it, or even if it happened while they were in utero. We recommend that foster parents become trained in a trauma-informed parenting intervention called Trust-Based Relational Intervention, or TBRI for short. TBRI will help families work with their children to help them heal from the trauma they've experienced, and it's that healing that can help a child overcome or manage trauma-related challenges and behaviors. TBRI refers to children who have been impacted by trauma as children from hard places. It's important that children from hard places receive services like therapy and, if necessary, medication. Fortunately, there is So much help available for foster parents and adoptive parents. It needs to be said and known that simply because a child is entering foster care as a newborn or an infant, this does not mean that he or she will not have recurring issues growing up. This is one myth that is false. 
We thought that this foster care myth busting episode would be a great way to kick off our podcast because one of the biggest challenges our kiddos face is a lack of families to care for them. According to PA Partnerships for Children's State of Child Welfare report for the year 2018, which is the latest year available, there were just over 16,000 children in foster care in Pennsylvania. That's an incredible amount of kids needing foster homes. And these myths keep people who could be amazing foster families from coming forward to give those children homes. Exactly. So remember to be an ambassador for foster care. Spread the word about all of the children in need of homes. When you hear a myth about foster care, bust it. When someone you know mentions that they've been thinking about becoming a foster parent, encourage them to reach out for more information. Let them know that you'll be there to support them. And if you think you would like to become a foster parent, take that first step. You can visit our website at careforkids.net. That's C-A-R-E, the number four, K-I-D-S dot net. And we're happy to give you more info. If you're not in our service area, we can direct you to someone who can help you. Thank you so much for joining us. Please share this podcast, spread the word about the need for foster families, and join our Facebook community at the brand new Fostering Connections Facebook group. While you're there, let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast or if there are any questions you'd like us to answer on a future episode. And most importantly, don't forget to subscribe to Fostering Connections podcast so you don't miss a single episode. Fostering Connections has been brought to you by the Salvation Army Children's Services. Until next time, thank you for caring about kids.